Fire in the Mountains, Chapter 13, Part 1. Shoto wore black. Kotsky didn't offer any judgment when Shoto came to him and asked for black furs. He didn't make Shoto explain. Shoto did that on his own, and when he did, Kotsky got a wry, amused twist to his mouth. When Shoto arrived to the front gate to stand at Kotsky's side, he saw that Kotsky was wearing black too, except for his red cloak. They watched the approaching party grimly, surrounded by outland warriors in full regalia and face paint. Even Shoto had agreed to wear some, like he had at Solstice. He had been conflicted, had known that Inji would look upon him with scorn to see him dressed like a barbarian. But this was war. Where are they? Shoto muttered. He and Kotsky were alone. Thought it'd be better if he met them in a more... private setting. Kotsky answered. And I want you sitting at my right at the banquet. Shoto turned and looked at him. Kiri, as Kotsky's first spouse, always sat at Kotsky's right, with Mina and Denki and then Shoto on the left. They sat in the order that they'd been joined to Kotsky. Kotsky ground his teeth a little and then said, Yeah, yeah, I'm kissing ass, all right? Shoto blinked in surprise and looked at the ground. If you were anyone else, Koski began, and then he said, Look, I'm trying not to piss him off. Thank you. It took another twenty minutes for Inji and his entourage to process into the courtyard. And then Shoto stared because Koski greeted him with a traditional flatland welcome. And he delivered it well, too voice pitched high and loudly enough that he wasn't as gruff as he usually sounded. All Inji's soldiers smiled and looked pleasantly surprised. Inji's face was flat and emotionless. When Kotsky was finished with the rote welcome, he added hospitably, I'm sure you're weary from your travels. My servants will deliver you to your rooms and tend to your every wish. Shoto tried not to scowl. He'd had to personally instruct all the servants that were assigned to the Flatland Caravan. They'd had to unlearn much in a very short amount of time. How to be unobtrusive, to avoid eye contact, not to expect thanks, and to perform duties as quickly and quietly as possible, to expect insults if they performed any duty incorrectly, and to tolerate said insults in complete silence, to be demure and diminutive. It felt fucking wrong. They'd listened to him, though, and taken his lessons to heart. Kotsky turned, as was expected, to enter his castle and, in doing so, invite the caravan inside. But Inji broke with etiquette when he said loudly, 
I require an immediate audience with you, King Kotsky. And with my son. Kotsky drew up short, and Shoto saw his jaw slide. But when he turned back around, he'd schooled his face into passive... Knowing Kotsky, Shoto was very impressed. Shoto watched with bated breath, because this was a test. Inji was being rude. Only Shoto was sure which would, wasn't sure which would be better. If Kotsky snubbed him and thus asserted that he wasn't to be tested this way, or if he bowed to Inji's whims and colored himself weak. Shoto also wasn't sure Kotsky knew the danger, knew that every word out of Inji's mouth was a trick. Kotsky said, "'Course, honored guest. Spare a moment to clean the dust off the road off your robes, and then my servants shall escort you anywhere you wish.'" And then he turned and walked inside. Shoto wasn't sure if Kotsky had said the right thing, but he was impressed at least, because Kotsky had done something Inji was notorious for, twisted an insult up in a gift. Of course we may speak when you are fit to be seen, but to anyone watching, it simply appeared as if Kotsky was a concerned host, offering his guests the chance to ready himself for proper company. The moment they were alone, Shoto said, He was testing you, you know. Did I pass? I don't know, Shoto admitted. Come on. Kotsky informed the servants that had followed him inside that he'd be in his war room. And then he and Shoto both went. Shoto felt like his heart was going to beat out of his chest. He hadn't been able to look at Enji in the courtyard. But he wouldn't be able to avoid him here. Kotsky had some servants bring them drinks, and Shoto sipped water while they waited. They sat in tense silence that was somehow companionable. Shoto was glad, at least, that Kotsky was here with him. Inji arrived along with a trusted general and a priest about thirty minutes later. It was more a show of strength. He instructed his people to wait outside, and then Kotsky sent away the servants and finally closed the door. <coughs> they were alone. Shoto said very stiffly, You appear well, my lord. Inji barely acknowledged the nicety. <clears throat> he looked Shoto over dismissively, a scathing curl to his lips, and then turned to Kotsky. I won't mince words. I am alarmed by your last correspondence, King Kotsky. The letter was vague, Kotsky said, eyes locked on Inji's, in case of interception. <clears throat> so speak plainly now. You implied a danger we should all be wary of. I think Shoto did, actually, Kotsky said. 
since he wrote the letter. Shoto felt his stomach drop when Inji's eyes fell on him. I assumed he was instructed to write that letter. Inji said dismissively, You've confirmed as much. Koski looked at Shoto, and then, ever so slightly, he nodded. Shoto said, We'd like you to tell us about the attacks on your strongholds. Have there been any that left no survivors and no bodies? Left places burned? Inji stared at Shoto, and Shoto's heart pounded even though he kept his face impassive. Inji wasn't happy he was speaking at all. What are you talking about, boy? Shoto felt Kotsky bristle, but Shoto said, King Kotsky and I encountered a powerful necromancer during a visit to a nearby village. He'd destroyed the whole town and killed everyone inside. We've experienced similar attacks along the border for the past year or so, Kotsky said. Frankly, I assumed they were being carried out by your soldiers, until Shoto informed me otherwise. Angie let loose one mirthless laugh. <laughs> you blame me for your inability to properly protect your kingdom? Kotsky bristled immediately. Shoto had warned him this would happen, had known that Inji would find a weak point, and given Kotsky's temper, this would be dangerous. Kotsky said, Don't insult me. I entrusted you with the care of my child, King Kotsky. Are you telling me my son is in danger here? Shoto blinked. Kotsky blurted, Safer here than with you. Oh, dear. Has the boy been telling tales? You shouldn't believe him. He's a liar. Why don't you tell him why you came here at all, boy? They'd played their hand too soon, and Inji had seen right through it. Hey, he knew they were allied. They shouldn't have presented such a unified front. Not so soon. <laughs> That he came here to spy on me? Kotsky said with a cold chuckle. <laughs> he told me months ago. Inji was suddenly ringingly silent. Kotsky said, And I have already forgiven the insult. I am proud to call Shoto husband. Shoto squeezed his eyes shut, stomach flipping and heart pounding. This was not the proper way to do things. Kotsky was angry and he was being emotional. And if Inji thought all was lost, he'd simply take Shoto and leave. Never mind politicking. <clears throat> well, that's not really right, is it? Inji hissed. You accepted the terms of this marriage under false pretenses, King. I would have never offered you my strongest son's hand if your more amorous proclivities had been known to me. Koski just glared. 
The servants you sent with Tenya Ida must not have been instructed to keep quiet as he was. Enji said furiously, You are already thrice married. This, he said jerking his chin at Shoto, is little more than an elaborate kidnapping. A cultural misunderstanding, Shoder interrupted. I, quiet boy, stop talking to him like that. Shoto stopped breathing. Kotsky spoke through gritted teeth, hands clenched at his sides, and chin jutted out defiantly. You will refer to him by his name, or not at all, he hissed. And you will remember that you are very far from home, King Inji. Shoto said very quietly, Kotsky. Or should I say, Queen's Consort? Inji looked like he'd been slapped, and for the first time in his life, Shoto actually saw fire at his fingertips that Shoto knew he had not conjured on purpose. Shoto blurted, It was Toya. Both of them turned and looked at him. The the necromancer, he... He had Toya. Lies, Angie said loudly and sharply. I saw him, Shoto said. I knew... He knew who I was. A bit. He's... His mind is broken. But it's him. Inji actually blinked a little slowly and looked like the word Shoto was speaking didn't make sense. But he couldn't. It was him. Father, I swear it. Inji's <clears throat> anger seemed to race out of him, replaced by shock. What? With with who? A necromancer named Tomura, Koski said grudgingly. They've destroyed some seven small towns, and we believe they've been using people murdered there to build an army. Angie looked furiously between the two of them, and Shoto knew he didn't believe them, that he didn't want to. Have there been any attacks in our country? Shoto asked. <clears throat> Three, Inji answered. We believe they were carried out by... By barbarian bandit caravan, he admitted, and then added a little grudgingly. Since your soldiers never attacked civilians... Kotsky ground his jaw, and then he said, Tell us what you know. The snows are thawing. If we don't find them and stop them, more people will die. Inji considered both of them in silence, and then he said, I wish to speak to my son in private, and then we shall meet your generals and mine, and determine how to address this threat. Kotsky looked at Shoto. 
Shoto looked him in the eye, silently affirmed that it was all right, that he'd speak to his father. And Kotsky said, Fine. You may. This room. I'll return shortly with my advisors. Kotsky looked Shoto in the eye, and Shoto could sense his hesitation. But then he looked away and left. Shoto turned his head, and Enji said, You look like a whore. Shoto managed not to flinch. His hair was braided, his face was painted, his chest was bare beneath his fur. You weak-willed, rebellious child. But I never took you for a traitor, too. I did what you told me. You bent over at the first pretty face to pay you a compliment. I didn't. I should have known you weren't strong enough for this. Look at you. Little more than a barbarian slut. And not even his only slut. As if you truly didn't know about them. Shoto hissed. And you're wrong about them. You sent me to be. He has never laid a hand on me. Inji narrowed his eyes. Shoto had forgotten what it was like to talk to him, to keep every truth close, to never reveal more than was needed. He has more honor in his left hand than you have in your entire court. You expect me to believe you haven't been playing King's Pet Boy? Inji said with a cruel laugh. <laughs> Look at you. Shoto clenched his teeth. A man like that doesn't get so touchy for a prize that doesn't belong to him. You will refer to him by his name, Kotsky had said. You don't know any men like him, Shoto answered. Your mission was a failure. All you've succeeded in doing was buying this ridiculous lie about Toya. It's not a lie. I saw him. I fought him. He's dead, Angie spat angrily, and you're delusional just like your mother. Shoto's mouth fell open. Stomach suddenly raging and twisting in fury. I am not. He's... I saw him. He's been dead for ten years, boy, and I made sure he'd never get back up again. No. No. You'll return home with me, Angie said curtly. At least if you've remained untouched, it will be easy to dissolve this joke of a marriage. Shoto shook his head, but no words came out. He'd been so stupid. Of course Inji had wanted to know. Of course. You'll be lucky if anyone of value will have you now, Inji said, almost as if he was speaking to himself, tainted by barbarians. I did as you ordered, Shoto whispered. Inji rolled his eyes. 
You remain a disappointment. It will take some time to... It will take some doing to salvage whatever is left of your honor. If there is any left. Shoto kept his mouth shut. Of course he did. He should have from the start. Go. I've got enough to deal with with dissolving this treaty. Don't, Shoto said sharply. Inji narrowed his eyes again. They're strong allies, Shoto said. They want peace. They will renegotiate without me. You think I'll negotiate with your savages? They're not, Shoto said. They're good people. You sentimental little fools. If you bring your armies here, Shoto said darkly, they will fall. The king alone is worth a hundred of your soldiers. More. What nonsense is, and he's got others loyal to him, mages and witches and warriors the like of which you've never seen, dozens of them almost as strong as he is. Angie narrowed his eyes, and for once he said nothing. Bring an army to his door, and those border skirmishes will look like sparring matches. Make him raise an army, and he will plow over you. Enji stared at Shoto, and his lips twisted, but for a time he didn't speak. Shoto could hear his heart in his ears. He couldn't tell if Enji believed him, but he could tell he was thinking about it. Enji said, Go. So Shoto went. He passed Kotsky in the hall, and when Shoto didn't slow, in, there in front of his generals and advisors, Kotsky, Kotsky reached out and put a hand on Shoto's shoulder. Princess. Shoto kept walking, jerked his shoulder from Kotsky's touch, and left. Sorry, but that's going to have to be the end of part one for now. I will try and get to part two as soon as I can, but unfortunately I have to work super early. So, I hope you enjoyed it.